Welcome to a podcast dedicated to your mental health. I'm Bailey with the Recording Library of West Texas. Hi, I'm Christy Edwards. I'm the Executive Director and a therapist at Centers for Children and Families. Hi, I'm Melanie Size. I'm the Marketing and Development Director at Centers for Children and Families. Together, we're bringing you tips and tricks on how to navigate this thing called life. This is Center Solutions. Due to the nature of some of the topics that are discussed, listener discretion is advised. You know what? Today is a good day for a podcast. How is your mental health, Christy? Today, mine's great. (laughs) Good. And yours, Melanie, how are you? Well, we have an event coming up, so I don't know. I a little a stressed? <laughs> That's completely understandable, but I'm glad you guys are doing well. So today, let's talk about college athletes and mental health. And to help us kind of understand the mind of an athlete, we've got Forrest Allen in the studio with us today. Forrest is the Director of Athletics at Midland College. Welcome, sir. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me. We're glad to have you on the show. Glad so how how long have you been with the MC Athletic Department? Uh, 21 years now. Wow. Uh, almost 22. Um, been athletic director for the last 15. I was previously served as assistant athletic director, and I did sports information. You did that before coming to Midland College? <sighs> no, I started out in athletics at Midland College doing sports information and assistant AD, and then uh, got an opportunity to become that full-time athletic director, and so I've done that for over 20 years now. And what kind of sports are offered at Midland College? We have uh, six athletic teams currently. We've have we've uh, had previously some other programs that we don't uh, continue uh, haven't continued to to keep, but currently we have volleyball for women, uh, men's and women's basketball, uh, baseball, fast pitch softball for women, and then a men's golf program. Uh, in the past, going back to the 70s, we had men's women, men's and women swimming and diving. We've had women's golf and and some other uh, both tennis programs for men and women. So we've we've had a few programs that we no longer have, but uh, had a pretty good tradition of success, and think we do think we do a good job out there. That's a lot of different type of sports that you oversee. Well, not only uh, you know each sport has its own separate culture, but within the sport. Uh, you have kids that come from different places in the world. Uh, we've we've got athletes from Colombia and Brazil, and we've had student athletes from the continent of Africa. We've, uh, you know, in addition to kids from different parts of the U.S. So uh, we we have a wide ranging uh, group group culture there, and so uh, I I think it adds to the to the environment in terms of education. Uh, students get to teach one another about. Uh, different parts like government in their particular home country and how it relates to the government here and things like that. So I think it enriches the educational environment, having those kids around. Definitely. And I would be interested in talking about the differences in mental health related to the different cultures, Um, especially when they come to someone like Midland from a foreign country. That's probably... Yeah. A struggle. Uh, they deal with, uh, you know, our international student athletes, uh, they come with very often challenges that we don't see very often. Uh, for example, we've we've uh, had student athletes from countries that were embroiled in civil wars. Uh, we had a young man in basketball team a number of years ago from uh, Republic of Georgia, and he played here as a freshman, went home, and during that time, Russia invaded 
Georgia. Wow. He invaded his home country. We didn't get a get get an opportunity to bring him back, uh, and he's he's still there now, and he's safe. But you know, things like that happen, and we don't have to have to worry about living in Texas, uh, right? Very much, so. and that affected him being here. Absolutely, that, absolutely. Yeah, sure. I mean, we've uh, and and it's one of those things that you know, until until it shows up on your radar screen, you don't really kind of know to ask. Uh, you you pay attention to the news, and you you know, and then you. For example, you know, you hear all the stuff that's going on in, in South America and various countries in Colombia and Argentina and different countries that are going through really, really difficult economic circumstances. Brazil's another example. And you get those students that come here and, and they're on a student visa to play uh, on their team and go to school. So they don't have an opportunity to work. Uh, so they don't have an opportunity to do anything to help themselves, sustain themselves while they're here. Uh, so, yeah, there's some unique challenges to it. And, Melanie, can you give us some statistics reported for college students and or college athletes in particular in sure. mental health and some scenarios that we kind of help us better understand what we're talking about today? Yes. Uh, today is college athletics and mental health. Um, in response to a 2015 survey by the NCAA, about 30% of college athletes self-reported that they had been intractably overwhelmed during the past month at that time of the survey. Um, a report published in October 2019 by the Journal of American College Health indicated the following about just college students in general. Uh, between 2009 and 2015, treatment and diagnosis of anxiety increased by nearly 6% among college students. And anxiety being the most common problem affects almost 15% of college students. So it's it's just interesting information to sit and, and think about for a moment. Um, and I have a little scenario just, just to get us started having a conversation. Say you have two college basketball players. Uh, one has a sprained ankle and another is suffering from clinical depression, uh, which is treated as an immediate concern and which is more visibly evident. Definitely the ankle. Right. Yeah. Right. It, Forrest, do you see that it's harder for athletes to come forward with mental health issues to say, hey, look, I'm struggling. It's hard for me today. Typically, uh, well, to answer your question, yes. Much, much more difficult for people to come forward and say, I'm really struggling with life and whatever, uh, whatever's going on with, within their lives and their families uh, back at home. Um, it, it, it's really fast when we see a kid go down with a knee injury or an ankle or mm -hmm. a shoulder. We know it. We can tell uh, body language. We can tell, you know, for example, a pitcher or a basketball player can't run up down the court. We pull them out. We get immediate attention. Um, if they don't feel well, they'll tell us. If they don't feel well mentally or emotionally, they don't. Um, very often you'll hear things like, I've just got a lot of stuff going on. They don't want to talk about it. Uh, one of the one of the observations that I had, one of my coaches pointed this out to me a few years ago, and I've kind of paid attention to it since. But he said, the typically the worst circumstance the kid comes from, the less they talk about it. The ones that talk about it all the time, yeah, they've got some challenges, but it's nothing as bad as as some of the other ones. Uh, a good example is we had a a young man who was from um, Serbia, 
he grew up when the country of Yugoslavia was in civil war and Serbia split off and Bosnia split off. He's a Bosnian kid, but he grew up in Serbia, uh, grew up watching mortar shells be you know, lobbed between neighborhoods. So that's, that's how he grew up. He never talked about it. It wasn't until he graduated from Midland College and was playing at Purdue University and they did a profile on him and he talked about it. Wow. He never once brought it up. On the other hand, you you have kids. Oh, sure. People that have had those kind of traumas, they stuff that inside and they don't, you know, especially if you've got athletes and you're in a strange new country, you don't want to tell everybody all your personal stuff. So that. And then there you've got trauma responses and trauma denial. And it's great that you can get somewhere that somebody will help you be able to talk about it. So, you know, being interviewed and being able to talk about that could have started that young man on his road to recovery mm-hmm. of some of that trauma. I think about, um, I know, Forrest and I have had this conversation, the culture that exists within um, the ath- athletes. I, we we have on this show talked about military culture, mm-hmm. and I think there are some great similarities there. And then you also have culture, I think, kind of collisions with mm-hmm. people coming from all these different parts of the world and mm-hmm. having these dis- different experiences. So what an interesting place to be. And one of the things that I, I try to do on a, on a personal and professional level, when I know that we have kids coming from other countries, I just try to read a little bit about their country try to learn what some of their major holidays are. I try to find out what the kids' religion is, just so when they get there, there's someone to relate to them. I've even gone so far as to to learn to address them and say hello in their native language. Not very good at it, but we try. (laughs) Uh, But just some sign to let them know they're in a good place and they're surrounded by people who care about them. And um, if you've you've traveled outside the country, you know, and, and, and no one speaks your language, or your ears prick up the first time you hear someone say something in English. You know, you look for that person. Mm-hmm. So uh, just try to do those things to help them help them feel comfortable and feel like someone is attuned to who they are, where they're from, uh, rather than them coming here and they're a member of a team and they're a student and we don't care. That's all we care about. So we try to relate to them, uh, you know, their individual cultures. The reality is whenever they land in Midland, Texas, they're basically going to be in, immersed in West Texas culture. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're forced to be able to try to do those things to perk their ear, to know that somebody's cared enough is going to matter. Mm-hmm. The next steps are to keep them talking and keep them from feeling so isolated or um, alone and, or, or different. So um, Centers works with the counseling department at Midland College. So we get a lot of heads up if they're going to be sending, you know, they work to take care of it at Midland College if they can. If not, we have a contract and they send those kiddos to us or or young men and women. They're not so much kids. But if you think about, I mean, some of those uh, young men and women that are coming are, you know, 18, 19 years old. I had a hard time sending my two older boys to Lubbock and to Mm-hmm. <laughs> to Austin for college. Right. Imagine you know, cross country, cross right? country or, you know, across the world. And you cannot get to them if they're sick or hurt or alone or frightened or having a mental health crisis. So um, I think it's important that everybody's got their eyes on these, these young people to help them. Yeah. And then add the component of uh, the strenuous routine of an athlete. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not very different. Um, you know, people see the, uh, you know, you go to play a game and they're focusing the fans and, and people in the stands and there's cheerleaders and there's a band playing and it's all fun. But 
they essentially have the lives of someone who works full time yes. and then they go to and then they play their their games uh, and practice and, and the demands of that. We try to do uh, community service stuff as well. So they're, they're, there's a lot of demands on their time and they have to become really, really good at managing their schedules because it can get away from them really mm-hmm. quickly. Um which ratchets up their stress level. Yes. Uh, I know I wasn't a very good student in high school, learned to study after several attempts at college, and then eventually kind of figured it out. Uh, and, and kids come in at different levels of preparedness for college, which also creates stress and anxiety. Uh, it's not strictly that they're not able to learn. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they just don't know how to start, how to layer the information in a way to help them be successful in the classroom. So there's that, and then there's the practices, and there's the travel, and there's the games. Uh, there's the fact that most people don't talk to them about who they are. They talk right. to them about what they do. Right. They talk to them about baseball, and, and, and that's all they talk to them about. They're really under the gun when it comes They they have to perform. That's what society bases the, them off of is their performance. So they're, they're really under public criticism mm-hmm. even more so with social media and well, everything imagine imagine doing your job and walking out after doing a show that you don't feel particularly good about and having someone you know 20 reporters standing out there asking you questions about why you asked that question right. or why you did mm-hmm. what you did well that's what they do and in the heat of a competition just just lost a national championship You've got 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds with a microphone in front of their face, and they're asked to answer questions that are really hard for them. They yeah. haven't had a chance to process it very right. well. So. I mean, you see it with professional athletes, Absolutely. too, all the time. Absolutely. They, they don't know what to say, but that's not their fault. That's just not how their mind works. It's the nature of the job. Mm-hmm. Christy, what are some characteristics of someone who is athletically driven? Like, I feel like you're either 100% competitive and enjoy athletics or you don't at all really enjoy athletics? Well, I mean, there can be a mixture of the two. There are those people that are naturally gifted athletes or those people that are driven to always be better. They, you know, they like that. Then there are people that are driven because they've got pressure from home to be athletes Mm -hmm. and, you know, and they might not really want to do that. And yet if you get picked up to play at the junior college or the college level, the expectation is you will go and do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, especially in forest, you can weigh in on this. But I think kids from or young people from you know other countries, they got they have an opportunity to go to you know the states to get an education and play a sport. That's your ticket. Right. So that is stress. This is your ticket. If you get hurt or you can't, you know, if you can't handle being away from home. You come home, you go to work, you do something different. It's a lot of pressure. There's so much pressure on people. And then and then they've got the pressure to figure out how do you pay for things? How do you, you know, show up for classes? How do you carve out study time? Some of the things that Forrest talked about. And we have this expectation that they're going to be able to do all those things because kids, other kids that go to school at Midland College are able to do that. Yeah, we think that they should be able to do sports, which is a mm-hmm. full-time job, like you said, Forrest. And also excel in academics mm-hmm. and, and normal subjects. It's two and, full-time jobs. Yeah. College it, and, and their sport. And they're arriving at a new place uh, for the first time without parental guidance. Yeah. Uh, so I think we talk a lot about people who move new to this area from other areas. And a lot of them are fresh out of college. And they're dealing with issues of isolation and that type of thing. So our college students are in an even more complicated situation. And I think especially here, 
we're in a we're in a tough spot. Everything's expensive, and there's so many people on the road. There's a lot of dangers. So I think kids moving here for the first time, that's got to be a lot of shell shock. Well, I was at Midland College in the late 70s, early 80s when there was a tennis program. I had a car. Most of the people that came here on athletic scholarships were coming. They did not have transportation. I became very popular very quickly because <laughs> they wanted, you know, my car. But um, I experienced firsthand um, lots of the depression and the loneliness, which led to some suicide attempts from um, these young people that are so far from home and, and have no support system. So I think that uh, kudos to Midland College and to Forest for trying to create that community around these uh, student athletes that are coming in. It's it's very necessary. Forrest, you've been doing this for a really long time, so you've witnessed it firsthand. How do you address some of those issues? How do you, whenever you see a kid that's struggling, how do you, you just take them aside and say, look, we're here for you? You know, how do, how do you address that? You know, I, I think, uh, I think a really important part of all of this is understanding where it starts. And it starts really young. Um, you know, if a kid shows any kind of particular aptitude in a sport, or whether it's playing the guitar or, you know, singing, then then the pressure around them grows. At a point, it's not really, it, it gets a momentum of its own. It's not really the kid's choice after a point. Mm-hmm. They may still love to perform, may still love to play their sport, but there's all this expectation that goes with it. There are people, hey, I'll, I'll take you to practice today. I'll take you to piano today. Or I'll take you to this showcase on the weekend. Or I'll shake you to this talent show on the weekend. And it grows a momentum and then they get into their teen years and, you know, that's a mixed bag of of all kinds of emotions and, and, and things going on with kids and they feel more and more pressure. And so by the time they get to college, um, we do have we do have young people who are really good at what they do, who absolutely hate it every day mm-hmm. and they can't quit because mm-hmm. uh, people have invested so much in youth basketball or youth volleyball and and training and coaches and equipment and travel and they feel like they can't get out they mm-hmm. can't stop uh, they don't know, want to disappoint their parents don't want to disappoint their parents don't want to enrage your parents mm-hmm. uh, and so that pressure carries over uh, we do the best we can to just to try to try to negate and minimize some of that but it doesn't really fully go away we've had student athletes that that have we had a kid young last year on one of our teams, uh, played here as a freshman, came back her sophomore year, was here a week and a half and said, I just can't do it. And, and left, you know, and left the full scholarship opportunity. Well, for all of us, we go, man, you're throwing away a lot of money. That's at a point that kid mental health was in the balance mm-hmm. and, and she was hooked in enough to just say, okay, I can't do it. I can't push myself through another practice. I'm not enjoying this. The pressure's too much. You know, she'll be a much happier uh, individual by doing that. But to answer your question about how do we how do we kind of deal with it when they when we start to exhibit when they start to exhibit certain behaviors, kids get withdrawn. Um, you know, you've got everything from just slight behavioral changes, uh, become a little more moody, a little more sullen. Um, they'll say, I don't feel like practicing today, uh, or I don't like it here. Um, so when you start hearing those kinds of things, 
uh, then you, you kind of want to pay attention because it may be a situation where there's something going on at home or they're having struggle, um, transitioning. Um, and you ask them and, and the coaches will ask them, are you okay? Do you need anything? And some of them will open up and some won't. Uh, it's, it's great that we have partners in the community and we have resources on campus that can, can help with that. Um, but very often, you know, as young people just kind of plow through it. That's what they've done mm-hmm. their whole lives. Um, a good friend of mine played, uh, played basketball for the Harlem Globetrotters years ago. And he had a saying, uh, that they was, they would say, you have to smile when it's not funny. Mm-hmm. And so many of these kids have had to live their lives that way. They don't enjoy it the same way they did when they could just go play with their friends. There are things structured, there's scholarship money on the line. My parents can't afford for me to go to school. So I have to, I have to do this. And, and, and there, uh, there, there are a few of them that just do it drudgingly every day and they just push their way through it. And, you know, you lose some kids mental health wise, mm-hmm. they just can't take it. And it shows up in other areas of their lives. Mm-hmm. Wow. So let's talk a little bit about an athlete that, let's say, has a condition, something happens where they can no longer play. How do you begin to help them figure out what they're going to do now? It's it's an identity crisis, I think. I think a lot of these kids, especially, and I'm totally guilty of this, putting parents who put their kids through a club, Mm -hmm. club anything, and then this from a young age becomes part of their identity. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's tough when something happens and they either can't or they're letting everyone know down when they don't want to. And uh, they're used to everyone asking them that question so uh, about their athletic choice. And know. an interesting part of that is how young men deal with that and young ladies. Mm-hmm. Young ladies will say, I don't want to play anymore. I'm just done. Young men will just... They'll just keep trying to push through it. It's much more difficult for them to just even utter the words, I, I, you know, I'm hurt. I don't feel like doing it. Um, but, you know, I think it's easy to fix a, an ankle. We can, we can go in and we can surgically repair it. We can put you in therapy. We can put you through training and, and, and rehab. It's much harder to, to, to heal a broken mind or a broken heart. Um, and so when those things show up, you know, we're very, very quick to try to reach out and try to find someone that that person can talk to. And hopefully we can work our way, uh, into, uh, some counseling or some services that can help that person because, um, it's not important that they play sports. It's just a thing. And, and it's, it's my livelihood and I love it. And I, I watch a lot of sports, but I don't want to lose a kid who's just feeling overwhelmed by it all. Mm-hmm. We need whole people more than we need athletes. I think that Midland College is lucky to have you on staff because I think that an athlete can't just, they don't feel comfortable just talking to any counselor. I think that you're able to relate to them because you've been in the industry so long and you were an athlete yourself, right? I played uh, high school, up through high school. Mm-hmm. So, I think that that might be another stigma related to mental health when it comes to athletes because they just think that the counselor's not going to understand. Yeah, and 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 when they when they find someone they can open up to, it's 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 an amazing thing. They just you can they they stand taller, they walk better, 
I mean, every part of their being, when they find a person that they can talk to, it doesn't matter if it's an assistant coach, it doesn't matter if it's a counselor, but when they find someone that they can connect with and they can talk to, it just lifts a burden off of them just to be able to say the words, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed by it all. And someone say, I understand, or let's see what we can do to help you. Um, I have an open door policy. Uh, I was at a restaurant here several years ago and a young lady was on the wait staff, was one of our cheerleaders. And she came over and was talking and a young man who was also on the wait staff overheard some of the conversation and said, okay, you work in athletics? And I told him and introduced myself when we talked. He said, man, I want to set up an appointment and come by and see you and talk to you about, you know, a career in athletics. And I said, well, you can't. And he said, I can't come by. And I said, no, you can't set up an appointment. You just come by. <laughs> and I, I feel like uh, you just make time because as difficult as it is for people to reach out and all of us struggle with that, you know, asking for help. Mm -hmm. When it shows up, I have to be available. It doesn't matter what time. It doesn't matter how tired I am. And, and I have to be available. And so we have a we have a policy where if you need to come talk to me, if you need to come complain about your coach. And sometimes they just need to be heard. Mm -hmm. They just need to know somebody cares that day. Um, and if they want to come and when I talk about complaining, I'm just saying, you know, coach is crazy. Well, yeah, they're all crazy during the season. <laughs> um, but but just be able to talk with someone who isn't on them about their performance. Right. Uh, I'll talk to them about their academic stuff more than I do about their sport. And, but they, once they connect with someone, it, it opens the world for them and yeah. they, they, they usually step through that door. Mm -hmm. And I think for those of us that have the um, opportunity or the honor to work with people um, and we have the ability to help them, I think there's nothing but greater, like Forrest is saying, is that somebody says, you know, whenever you're saying something, they're like, yes, exactly. You get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you got them right there. You're on the road to helping them do whatever they need to do. But, you know, if they, if they just come in and talk to a counselor or a professor or whatever, and they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, I've talked to, you know, 8,000 students over the past 10 years about the same thing. So, yeah, you'll, you'll be, be okay. Fine. You'll yeah. be fine. Just, you know, go do that. So to have somebody that really gets it and have somebody that has an open door policy that cares and, and will help guide them, it's just such an honor. Um, and it's great to way. know that um, – Forrest is a person that if you can recognize if they need further mm -hmm. help and probably right. encourage them in that direction because they have that trust in you. When I go and sit in on practice and I'll, I'll try to take time out every week and just go sit and watch a portion of practice, they don't know why I'm there. I'm looking at all it, just kind of their, their mannerisms, their interaction with their teammates, those sorts of things. And that's not, I'm not, that's not my profession, but I'm looking for everything but basketball practice or baseball practice. I see a bajillion games a year, so I don't need to see another one. But I look for things like how they interact with their coaches. And that allows me an opportunity then to see that kid in the hallway and say, hey, are you doing okay? Sometimes they, they, they say, yeah, I, I'm doing okay. And I'll say, well, that's not good enough. You need to come by, you know. And then some, they just don't want to talk about it. But I, I get an opportunity to observe a lot of behaviors. Uh, I'm not a professional at this, but you start to watch and you see those behavioral changes and it's enough to meet for, to have me to ask them if they're okay. Is everything okay at home? I think sometimes just asking that question is 
so important, um, even for anybody. For everybody. Um, right. Mm-hmm. If you just have someone in your life that is paying attention, and you've said it before, Christina, we all want to feel important. We all want to feel involved as a team in athletics. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to feel involved, not just at, with a teammate where you're shooting baskets with, but also mentally. You want to feel comfortable in those situations. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, another uh that brings us to another topic uh, within the topic. If you think about it, it's interpersonal communication. Mm-hmm. It's talking directly. And what do these, what do children and young adults normally do now? It's texting. Mm-hmm. It's social media. So how do you feel that that's made things evolve in the time that you've been at Midland College? Well, certainly inter- interpersonal communication is at all time, uh, all time low. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, interesting, you know, you asked that question, and, and I'm kind of pausing. Adam Silver, who's the commissioner of the NBA, has been affiliated with the National Basketball Association, the high level, highest level of basketball in the world for over 20 years. He's been a commissioner for about the last six or seven. Uh, about two months ago in an interview, just a little throwaway comment, but he said, I've never seen players as unhappy as they are now. What they do is, you know, they've survived all that pressure and they've gone into a situation where they believe, as most people do, I'm making millions of dollars and everything's going to be okay. Well, what happens when you make millions of dollars? You get millions of friends. Mm -hmm. You also get detractors. (laughs) Yes. So, and then using social media, they use that as a way to advance themselves, to build their, their brand, so to speak, to leverage endorsement opportunities off the court or off the field sort of activities that can also bring in more money. But when you have social media, it's two-way communication. And so when you hear a negative comment about your performance, it sticks. Mm -hmm. Well, imagine you have 300,000 followers and 90,000 of them bombarding you on a weekly basis telling you how bad a game you played Mm -hmm. and how horrible an athlete you are and you have no reason to be there. And I can't believe they're paying you what they pay you. And so that's what that's what Adam Silver was was alluding to was the fact that they've invited this stuff into their lives that they weren't prepared for. They they were a little bit prepared for the spotlight that goes along with it and the scrutiny that goes along with it and being pushed to get better and to drive and play when you don't feel well and all those things. They were not prepared for all of the other parts that came along with social media and inviting everyone into their lives. Um, and, and so they're very unhappy and they're making, they're making more money now than they've ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was, when I was growing up, um, many professional athletes had part, had jobs in off season, had regular jobs. They were in real estate or sold cars or whatever. So now these, these guys and these young ladies make millions. I mean, tens of millions of dollars. And they're unhappier now than they've ever been. That's disappointing as a society. Because I mean, we've all seen it on social media. You can, it doesn't that, matter what you, what you put out there. That's the, connecting, uh, that's the one connecting topic within every topic we've discussed. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's such a part of our entire culture now. Everyone has a, a phone. Everyone is constantly connected. And I think it's part of what creates isolation. And I'm guessing that has to make a difference with uh, the college students and athletes and how they just and how they interact. And you can really hold yourself up and 
put yourself away and not have to deal with people regularly. Well, an example is as soon as a game is over or as soon as practice is over, they grab their phone and they're yeah. on. They, they don't ever get a break from it. They don't ever take a break from it. And mm-hmm. we can we can suggest to them stepping away from it or minimizing the amount of time they're on social media, engaging with others, getting to know people on campus, getting to know people in the community. And it's just not a part of their world. And, you know, you have to you have to coach them or teach them where they are, not where you want them to be. Uh, but one of the things is to try to get them to back away from it some. So, for example, when they're traveling for competitions, the coaches will take their phones up at night because they'll be on it all night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, obviously it's going to affect their performance. But more than that, I mean, it's just constantly hooked into that. And, it, it you know, it it just shows up in some negative ways in many ways. So. Yeah, that really takes a toll on your self-esteem. Mm-hmm. So, Christy, how do you – can you give us some tips on how to deal with social media key – let's call them keyboard warriors because that's keyboard what they warriors. are. People who feel like they should comment – on social media. Anyway, just negative comments. How do you deal with that in social media? How do you avoid that? Oh, well, I'm, I'm not sure you can avoid it. If you're going to be a player in it, you're going to get it. And so I think like Forrest is saying, you try to minimize it, tell them, you know, you've got to do something, you know, do something else, put your phone away. Remember, these people don't even know who you are. And I really think that is the key is they, 90,000 of the however many that commented, this is what they do as they're um, in their spare time mm-hmm. or some of them don't even have jobs. They they are just out there searching for something to comment just on. Spreading negativity. Just spread, yeah, spreading no negativity. Reason. So our thing is, you know, we want you to, to know where you, who you are and what your worth is from within mm-hmm. instead of having that external. It's hard. If you're getting paid millions of dollars to yeah. do something and you don't perform and somebody says you totally blew it. You already know you totally blew it, but mm-hmm. you also know, I'm going to have an opportunity to make up for that at some point right. too. So you can't get bogged down in it, mm-hmm. you know, and this is, this is my personal um, issue in a time when we're talking about getting people talking about mental health, physical health and how important it is. We've reduced the world to text messages, emojis, you know, sad face, frowny face, crying, smile, whatever it is to indicate how you're feeling. You're not having conversations with people about how you're doing. Mm-hmm. So once again, you've got to be able to, to have a friend that you can say, man, I'm beat down. 90,000 people thought I played a horrible game last night, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, you don't think about that. You, and you should surround yourself with positivity and positive yes. people, which is hard to do. It's but, hard to do. There's, it's easier to yeah. be negative about things than mm-hmm. to build somebody up right. because it's like I'm disappointed or I'm frustrated or you didn't play your best instead of, you know. We should be a society that is caring and, you know, wanting to project. We know that you can do better, but that does not always happen. Mm-hmm. And I think at one point, it's just, it's not that some of these naysayers didn't exist. It's just we didn't get to always right. know about them. Right. You didn't always know when somebody didn't like, doesn't like you as much as you know. Right. <laughs> I mean, at work, at the end of each session, we have people there, they're able to rate how the session went. I'm sometimes like, I don't want to look at that. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's in a day and age when we really, we have the ability to know how people feel about what we're doing. Then sometimes that, that can be a motivator to do better. Or sometimes it can just wear you down. What are some helpful tips that athletes can do on a day-to-day basis to improve their mental health and keep their mental health positive? A big one is building relationships. Take the time to get to know your teammates. 
get to know people around campus. We've got a we've got this one young lady from Australia who will eventually be probably the mayor of Midland. She's got the most phenomenal, upbeat. She's never met a stranger. I've I've been I've been in different places in town and and. You know, somebody will say, you still at Midland College? Yes. Hey, do you know? And they'll say the kid's name. I'm (laughs) like, yeah. Oh, she babysat for us last weekend. She is a celebrity and is the most down-to-earth, sweetest kid. And she's unburdened by all that stuff. And I'm not exactly sure how, but but she's built relationships with people who care about her well-being and who, because she's such a wonderful person, they want to get to know her. And they don't know her through a social media outlet or one of their through Instagram. Mm-hmm. They don't know her in that way. They know her because she's had conversations with it. I mean, if, if she were here, by the time we leave, she would be the only name we'd remember in this place. Mm-hmm. Just an incredible personality. Um, but that's one way. I think you I think you have to work to foster relationships. I think you have to surround yourself with people who tell you the truth. Um, I used to have this problem of being honest. And I thought that was the way to be. Um, and a friend of mine said, you can be honest with a person and not damage their soul in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a way to be honest with people that you care about. You can tell them what you need to tell them and not, and not devastate them. And I think they have to have that. Hey, I had a bad game. You sure did. Mm-hmm. But man, here's, here's something you did that was great. Mm-hmm. And I liked when you did this and that kind of balances it out a little bit. And I think, I think the last thing is, I think you have to know, have a, a pretty good sense of who you are. Uh, one of the, one of the things that, that's, and it's always been this way. This is not a recent phenomena is that in society, we like to build people up. We like to build them into celebrities. And then when they get there, we like to tear them down. And, 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 and it's been that way forever. You know, you imagine Frank Sinatra. He was just this beautiful voice and he's a singer and he's this fun group of guys with a rat pack and all that. And then later on, it's, he was involved with gangsters and he, you know, mm-hmm. and so we build people up and then we eventually tear them down. And you have to, you have to have a good sense of who you are and know you're not those things that you're hearing and being able to separate a criticism from someone who's just trying to damage you. Right. right? There's a difference between a coach bringing you in and saying, hey, you really need to get in there and work on your free throws. That's very different than looking on your phone and 20,000 people have sent you a, a tweet saying, can't believe you blew the game last night. Mm-hmm. You you have to balance those things out or it just it just absolutely overwhelms you. I think that was a great example. Surround yourself with positive criticism and Mm -hmm. people who have your best interest in their their mind and their heart everyone needs to have someone in their lives that'll tell them the truth Mm -hmm. i've got a i've got a very close group of friends i've got one in particular we went to daycare together and i'm an old man (laughs) i've known this person as long as i can remember and the thing that i say about her uh, is she tells everyone else lies about how how good a person i am she tells me the truth (laughs) and that's why we're friends yeah, one of the things that we always promote for, you know, taking care of mental health is that you're getting enough sleep, you're getting enough, um, you know, good nutrition. And as Forrest said, you know, know yourself, surround yourself with a support group, um, and then be able to connect with somebody every day. 
you know, because sometimes you get busy going to practice and you get busy going to class and you you have that touchstone person that, that they can really say, how are you, you know, how are you today? Are you okay? And you go, yeah, I'm okay. And they're like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. Let's go get uh, some coffee or whatever. And let's really get, let's really talk about what's going on. Mm-hmm. So the only way to ensure good mental health is, is that you are surrounding yourself with all of those things. And for kids that are new to the area or uh, people in general, it's a great idea to contact someone to talk to professionally. Uh, go to a counselor, contact mm-hmm. centers. Uh, we can certainly help out. And Forrest, how can we contact you? Well, I'm obviously on the Midland College athletic page, and, and uh, I'm pretty good at answering emails. I'm really bad at answering phone calls, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm, I've fallen into the text message thing myself. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm, I'm always there. I, I work quite a bit, um, and uh, it, makes, it may take some time, but I'm usually pretty good at responding. You know, I love what I do, and and it's been it's been a it's given me a life I never would have I would have imagined. Uh, just having an opportunity to work in sports. All my friends think I'm stealing money. They're like, you get to go to games <laughs> for a living. Like, what is that? Um, and so, uh, but it's 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 an incredible life that I have, and it's due to sports, and it's due to the young people that we work with. And I just invite people to come out and, and, and when you have an opportunity to come out and watch and, and get to know them, you'll find a lot of reasons out there to, to be positive about where we're going in this country. Mm-hmm. Cause there's some really great kids out there and they just, sometimes they just need a little help. Forrest, thank you for spending time with us today. I really thank appreciate you, you joining thank us you for you the so podcast. Much. Center Solutions is a production of the Recording Library of West Texas. Post-production work is done by Bailey Hennis and Abby Wiggum. Content is provided by Melanie Size and Christy Edwards. Contact Centers for Children and Families at 432-570-1084 or the Recording Library 432-682-2731. Email Melanie with questions you want answered on the show at msize at centerstexas.org. That's M-S-A-I-Z at C-E-N-T-E-R-S-T-X dot O-R-G. Both nonprofits are on all social media platforms. See you next time.